Hey there, this is Perch. I was excited to talk to Larry because I think his story around Gorilla Comic Publishing, just getting going, low budget, quick release, quick return, is a story that I think a lot of aspiring comic creators could really learn from. You know, sometimes the best way to get started is to just get started. And I think what you'll hear from this interview is Larry's success at just doing it himself and making comics. And I hope it provides you with some inspiration. I think that the goal of getting more comics out into the world is a valuable one. And stories like these are important for you to hear. All right. Well, hey, uh, I'm here with uh, with Larry King, and Larry has uh, produced a number of books uh, over the course of his kind of independent comic career. And, and today, we're I'm just talking to him a little bit about kind of how he comes up with the books, what it's like being an indie creator who's um, who's putting it out there on his own, um, trying to get some new ideas, some new stories out there, building a franchise. And, and Larry, thanks for uh, for talking with me today. Well, thank you for giving me the time of day. I appreciate being amongst. Uh very notable amount of people uh as far as your interview people who you're interviewing i'm like i don't belong here (laughs) i don't belong here i'm a creep you know so uh yeah it's funny how but hey i'm glad to be here glad to be here absolutely i mean you do belong because i think um it's it's this is building up comics building up these stories and these ideas i mean everybody is is putting material out there and i do believe that Kind of the future, the next five to ten years are going to really belong to people who are bringing ideas from the outside in. I mean, you, you look at a guy like Donny Cates, who not that long ago was doing very kind of independent, underground type books, and now he's somebody Marvel can't live without. So I yeah, think. it's it's funny how that works. It's like you get these people in there to kind of the fresh blood, and it's like they realize, oh, I need more of this. I need more. They <laughs> had to drink it down. Oh, it it, it hooks people quick and. Uh, what do you think? I mean, do you, it, does it seem to you like this process is accelerating a little bit? It seemed like people are going from kind of indie to pro very, very rapidly. I really think that's the case. I mean, someone like Donny Cates, like I loved uh, God Country. That right there was like, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I need more. I don't need more of this. It was a great standalone story, and I loved it, you know, cover to cover. It's, it's fantastic. I was like, I want more like this. His Marvel output, though, I've not been that thrilled over it's like i it's good but it's like i wanted some more like indie i wanted some more it was independent stuff i'm not saying he can't do oh i n- never touch marvel never never go to corporate but maybe like you know like like the uh ben stiller thing two for them one for me kind of deal it's like we're for every you know uh, meet the parents kind of thing and meet the fockers you'll get like a tropic thunder with uh with very unpc content other stuff along those lines like i would like to see more of that but yeah i do think there is a more of a prevalent we got to get this these new indie people hey this person's shown that they actually show up and do the work well, a lot of the time it's they're being vouched for by people that already got their foot in the door yeah and i think that might be the reason why we've seen more you know more of this indie push it's like, it's like you got claremont on the yeah claremont sitting on the bleachers i'm like bring him in the game come on guys it's you know, don't, don't let them don't let them get cobwebs over them. Like they'll, they'll dust the cobwebs off with like a short story or a one shot. Or it's like, oh, uh, Claremont and Kevin want to do a hundred pages worth of New Mutants. Oh no, 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 you only do this amount. Like what? You, you, you denied us a hundred pages worth of New Mutants. What's wrong with you people? But 
I digress. To be a mystery to me, but I, I, I think you you hit upon something there. Uh, well, a couple things there. I, I think one, you know, do you think do you think there's something to it that that indie creators um, they have a story, they have an idea, and they get popular for it, but then they get consumed by kind of the big publishers, and the big publishers then squander what brought the person to the table in the first place is that a is that a big risk you see i really do see that to be the case i mean you see these people that are pushing you know not saying necessarily pushing the limits they are pushing their ideas out there in very different ways it's like you'll get something like god country dealing with you know a true family story which if those haven't read the comic it's a fan it's a texas-based fantasy story uh you could almost look at it like you got a little Eastern elements, almost like final. It's the best way to describe it. Final Fantasy meets Thor meets, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Sam, uh, not Sam Houston. Um, what is his name? Uh, Sam, Sam Shepard. Like Sam Shepard, Sam Elliott kind of. The, it's like if Sam Elliott had Alzheimer's, but he had this God sword that allowed him to not only be a, be a total badass, but actually remember all, you know, cure him of the Alzheimer's. But because of the sword, he's got to fight gods to protect his protect his family, his son, his granddaughter, his, his daughter-in-law, and protect uh, the our plane of existence kind of thing. It's actually really, it's a heartwarming comic. It's a good comic. And, and it's really good. It's really, I've listening to a podcast, and the, when the guy was bashing it, and I'm like, you don't know, you have, you have bad taste in comics. But it's like, I'm like, that's neither here nor there. But you, I don't see that heartwarming kind of, a lot of heart, a lot of character and Kate's Marvel work, it's like it's he, he's elevating the work, but it's not to that degree. It's like I'd like to see what other kind of content would come from. But you know, you get a lot of these people; they're coming from the kind of that real indie mm-hmm. side of it, it's where they're doing you know self publishing. You know, they're putting it out themselves. You know, like fronting the money. A lot of them, you know, not too, not too many people are doing the uh, you know the straight up straight to Indiegogo. I've never done a comic before. Let's do Indiegogo Kickstarter right off the bat. It's like, have you ever done a comic before? No, but everybody else can do it. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's fun. It's a fun path to shoot down. Well, and and so dig into that a little bit. So so you now actually let's let's take a step back. So you right. you produce several comics yourself. Actually, I've produced. If I had to count, it's somewhere around. Okay, if when I say comics, I mean a lot of my stuff. I've been doing. Around this time of year, it was around mid-October 2007. I had done little short, like, comics, you know, strips, comic stories, as far as, like, drawing like, a couple pages here or there, but never actually bound them together or put them in any kind of booklet form. It was around uh, mid-October 2007. I wanted to do a story uh, called Lost Tales. It was this, uh, about a guy wandering to the mountains of Himalaya. It's kind of my take on the... I don't know if you've heard of the Wonder Man character, the uh, Will Eisner Superman knockoff that only did like one issue for Fox Comics. Yeah. Uh, well, it was basically because that character's public domain. I said, oh, this, this is how he got his powers. And the kind of David Lynn, he goes up to the top of the Himalayas. There's a naked woman with a veil with his mask. And he goes past, past these smoky, the smoky torch-filled room. And there she is standing in the middle of the room. And he walks up to her. He kneels before her. Her mouth opens up, and out for t- the tip of her tongue is this, the Wonder Man ring. And he gets the ring, and he puts it on, and everything turns black. And then I couldn't figure out how to finish the rest of the story, so I drew myself into it. It's like, I don't know how to finish the rest of the story. Sorry for the, sorry for wasting your time, folks. And that's basically my first comic. And then I did a couple other – all of it was do-it-yourself. I took those pages. I drew them by hand. 
I met, I formatted them and I went to a photocopier and did a do it yourself comic. And that's majority of my work was do it yourself, kind of the DIY punk comic, mini comics aesthetic and producing them. And, you know, I'd sell, sometimes I'd sell a couple, you know, bundles of them. It's like, Hey, here's a bunch of little mini comics, like four, four of them, $5 for shipping and handling. It's like a buck for shipping and handling for those at the time. Cause they're usually about quarter page size. Four, four books for $5. But a lot of them, here's the problem, that it, with the cover and back cover, it's only six pages of story because it's eight pages total. So it's like, you know, you're getting a bunch of short stories. Like I did, <laughs> I went to a, uh, about a couple, three years ago now, uh, only show I've ever done, Denver Zine Fest. And it was the, at a gay-friendly church. They overbooked. I was, behind, behind me were the pews and the altar and a giant statue of Jesus. And I'm I'm having a comic that the people coming up and looking at it. It's like, oh, like there was one called uh, Body Bags. It's about a skeleton trapped within gas within a clear plastic kind of body bag. And he's lamenting that he's hungry, but he can't eat. He wants to touch, but he can't feel. So eventually he offs himself by unzipping the bag and let the gas escape. Uh, mm. Spoiler. And there's another one I did called The Colonel, which was actually my biggest seller. I actually sold out at the show. It's about a... It was actually based on a real incident. I worked security at a pork packing facility, and there was a rooster that would wander around where the trucks is. It's a pork packing facility, but there was a rooster. <laughs> and the rooster would just wander, and it would actually hide inside what they call the yard dogs. These trucks with hydraulic lifts that would lift the trailers and move them you know, to this washing bay or wherever. And this one day, the, the rooster was out, and it, the idea hit me. The rooster's wandering around. The rooster wanders over to a trailer. There's a pig, and a pig's got a scared look in his face, like whispering in, in its animal language, help me. And the rooster says no, and the pig's like, what? And then it goes off to the slaughterhouse in the story, a little quick six-page short. And had, had these hippies out of the mountains of, uh, of Colorado, out, out of Denver, this hippie commune, they're like, I see what you're saying, man. It's anti-meat. And, 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 and the far, factory farming is evil. I said, yeah, man. So we like buy copies. <laughs> you know? So I sold a couple of copies that way. It's like, hey, you I like, what was your intent behind the story? And I'm like, it came to me and I put it down on the paper. It's like I had no ulterior motive. Like, yeah, I'm gonna fight the establishment, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna rise against rage against the machine. You know, like no, it's just I, idea popped in my head and I put it down on paper. That's finding your market right there. That's exactly what you've done. <laughs> well, it's, it, but that's the thing. It's like these ideas. Like, I mean, that's I putting the ideas out there. I think that's the most important thing. A lot of these people will like they'll let the ideas kind of rot in their brain or rot in a sketchbook. I knew people that went to art school and all these ideas, like, oh, this is great. It's like ancient civilization, this, that, whatever. And it's like, oh, these are the costume designs, and all they for years working in the sketchbook and they never see it on the page. I'd rather put something out and it's sloppy and it looks messy and learn from those mistakes. Get it print it up get it done ah screwed up here screwed up there but learn you do a redux version down the road down the road you know do a clean, more cleaned up version but you at least got it out there i'd rather have that idea a sloppy idea out there I'd rather have like a corman you know uh, american international pictures uh you know this kind of b movie kind of comic book out there than have nothing and or just talk about it all the time well i got my comic book coming out and i'm like stop talking about it, do it <laughs> Well, and that's, that's kind of, I've said that before in, in a couple of shows, and, and people always, um, they see it as kind of motivational speech as opposed to kind of a practical bit of advice, and that's just just get started. You know, just put your comic out. 
And I think I've seen that a million times, what you're describing is people have a good idea. They haven't got a good concept, but it, it stays in their head or they're, they're, they immediately think, well, how am I going to get to the distribution? And I got to get to where I'm going to find a publisher and all the rest. It's like, hey, you haven't made the comic yet. So, no. you know, cart before the horse a little bit there. Uh, but how many now, how many books have you done at this point now? Even though there's, there's smaller books, granted, still, I think, you know, four books, yeah, 24 pages for $5. That's a, that's a good bargain compared to current rates. Um, I'm looking at, uh, I got about 15 uh, let's see, 15 plus, we uh, add this up, 16, 17, 18, and then another, oof, uh, uh, 22, 44, just on my computer alone, the stuff I had done digitally, because I'd done stuff hand-drawn previously that I'd have to rescan in, it was weird formatting, uh, so I said about 100, it's probably closer to probably about 70, 70, 80, around 70 or 80 or so. And a lot of those are like, uh, I'd never want to look at those again. <laughs> it's just like, I learned my lessons the hard way. Never touch those again. <laughs> if I ever do a collection of them, like remastered, whatever, I'm like, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll quietly sweep those under the rug and keep on moving. <laughs> like my attempts at trying to be like really humorous or really like, I'll be serious. And it just turns out really bad. But Not think- even a good kind of bad, but just a little. It's the only way you can learn, though. I think, um, I, I mean, so 2007, I'm just doing the math, so 12 years, mm-hmm. 60 to 70 books. That's incredible. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of them, like I said, are, they're basically, they won't even, the format, like, they would be smaller than a manga. They would be shorter than most manga chapters, which are which roughly at 20 pages each. It's like six-page stories, like a quick little boom. They're basically comic strips if you were to take them and break them down into six pages. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you're really only doing like comic strips. And I used to do comic strips on, I uh, bought these, there's a clearance sale at Heroes Con one year, these newspaper comic strips, art boards, Strathmore art boards and they had like a guy has like five of them and he's like 20 bucks for all five i'm like that's a good deal like it's strathmore paper really high quality and i'm like bought it up and i'm toting these things out and i'm like i didn't realize how heavy they were carrying them out up the escalator across the floor across the street to the parking lot having to put these in like the cold pressed and so the hot <laughs> summer sun starting to paper started warping i'm like oh my god i gotta get him in the car get the air conditioner on and it was i used to do those things i would cut them up uh i would scan them in digitally cut them up i would do oh my god digital lettering would go to the paint microsoft paint oh oh it was nightmarish because they have a balloon tool on that and like and i started hand lettering <laughs> stuff uh which is a lot better but still it's not trying to use white out and not using that not too recently that I pick up the, the Japanese manga, the whiteout pens, like the, for the proper, yeah. for the proper usage stuff, which are, I, I bought some. And instead of sending me three packs, they only sent me two and sent me a little Japanese washing machine for like some kind of dollhouse. And the comp- I sent an email to the company. I'm like, uh, you guys sent me a little washing machine and I never got a response back. I'm like, well, two out of three ain't bad. And I got a little washing machine for some, and it had a little pink cloth inside the, wa- you open up the door of the washing machine. There's a pink cloth in the inside. I was like, what in the world is this for? It's like, I, I was like, it's some kind of, it was all in Japanese. I was like, this is weird. I'm like, maybe it's like you know, money, like a hint of money laundering. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't know. But uh, it was but stuff like that. I used to do, like I said, more of those, but I, lately I've been doing digital. I, I used Clip Studio Paint, which used to be a manga studio mm-hmm. to do majority of my comics. And 
I still, but I do it in a traditional way. I try not to go over with filters and do that kind of real fancy stuff. I try not to use too many brushes. You yep. see a lot of these people. It's like a, there was a recent comic that came out uh, that it was like a Conan-like comic. Uh, Dark Horse put out, I believe it was Dark Horse or Image, and it had this like the artist used you know, guys been doing comics for twenty, thirty years, overly used. Uh, the cross hatching brush. Like, I have that brush, dude. You didn't have to use that much of it. It's like instead of doing traditional cross hatching, it's like I'll just use this brush and I'll save some time and it just looks so uh, cheap. Well, and it, it's like too digital. People do, uh, you know, it's for the youngins uh, listening to this and all this. Uh, you you hear about the lens flare effect and and your Abrams. But the origin of that is people just you know they bought Photoshop for the first time and there was a filter called lens flare and it always looked the same. And if you picked up an image comic in the '90s, you'd see you, you could t- you could pick out the Photoshop filters on the page there, uh, the cloud or lens flare or these these filters, and it always looks so so hacky, so amateur. Cheap. It looks very cheap. Uh, it, it get th- that look it might look fancy for a tiny bit, but it's like a fancy steak. You might pay sixty dollars for that steak, but that thing gets old pretty quick. <laughs> you know, it rot, and, and just like anything else, the overusage and just keeping it out there for too long it rotted and is if i see modern coloring it's like i there's some good modern colors but i'm more of like i like flat old school coloring like when they did the uh, recolored jack kirby uh omnibuses that dc did yep and that flat old school coloring because like back in the day they used the uh the dots or whatever the, the that old coloring system but there's a modern digital coloring but it's all flat there's no fancy gradients and this and that it's straight up color and it just like it's each page you can put that as a cover and it would stand out on the shelf because everything else is like, you know, you got, you got tones and, mm-hmm. and it's blended and this and that. And it's like, boom, hard red, hard blue, hard yellow. Boom. There you go. Flesh tones. It look flesh tone. It's not this, you know, we've got to be fancy about it. It's like, I like, I don't mind fancy for certain occasions. Like I wouldn't want like Brian Hitch's ultimates, you know, to be, you know, the art on the ultimates to be flat coloring. It look weird. Cause sure. it's like everything else is realistic. Yeah. But, uh, cartooning comics that's another thing it's like i my influences i mean like i very cartooning uh very cartoony people so and how so speaking of your influence well I'm, mm-hmm. i want to go in a couple different directions with you here but um I, actually before i do that so back to just your comics because i want to really kind okay. of hammer home this point of there are a bunch of people i think who comment on my videos i see them on twitter various places on facebook groups and other places and there's this intimidation factor to just doing a book, to, to putting a book out. They just, you know, they, they have all these ideas. And I think there are people who are just dying with these ideas. And they, they've got the most amazing, but they're never going to put out a book. They're just going to kind of die with these great ideas in their head. And I think there's, there's this intimidation factor of getting started. And what you're describing here is you, you just got started. Yeah, it's like, I, I have to, I have to, think uh i'm no longer it happens this way i'll be friends with people for a while and then be no longer friends with them and not really like we have a big falling out which is like eh, stop being friends like for one reason or another it's nothing ever like oh we we have fist fighting there was blood and we went to jail no, it was never just like it's like eh, it just happened that way and there was these two brothers they were you know these they, but one's in a punk rock band one he never he he didn't believe in cars he'd always pedal his bike everywhere <laughs> he would 
bike like 30 miles. Like the guy had a racer head hair. Yeah. And I'm like, you ever seen a racer head? And he's like, no. And I'm like, he's like, oh my God, it's the greatest movie ever. And I'm like, okay, so there you go. I'm like, it's that kind of stuff. But he, they introduced me to the idea of mini comics. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, I'm like, yeah, mini comics and that uh, disinformation that, that the whole thing of Grant Morrison was involved in for a while mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And the idea of all you got to do is like, you have an idea, even if you don't have, or aren't able to put 100% of the idea on paper, like let's say make it into a comic book, just get a compu- place, piece of computer paper or cardstock paper is honestly better. Take that, fold it. Hot dog wise and hamburger wise, vertically and horizontally. Uh-huh. You'll look and you'll see you got an eight panel grid, like four on one side, four on the other. You put like a little one or A, B, A and B for A cover, B cover, front, back, or say, you know, F and B, front and back. And then you got six pages left. If you cram that story, you try to cram it into six pages, it could be stick figures. It could be just f- heads talking. I mean, hell, that's most of Bendis' work anyway is a bunch of heads talking. <laughs> you know, so there you go. Just, or same thing with Kevin McGuire and uh, the Geffen and Demetrius. You know, they're, most of their stuff is like heads talking, reacting, and all that stuff. But putting that in there to get your idea actually on paper, and then you can develop it from that. It doesn't have to always be that size. You can always go bigger and get more confident in your work, but produce something actually have something you have in your hands and if you're confident enough with it like i'd say do it in pencils then go over doing inks or if you're not 100 percent confident with it scan it in do it digitally if you're if you're like oh my art skills aren't that great try you know like the whole like, well i don't i'm not that good of an artist have you tried you know like i i i, I think i honestly i suck but i get better I'm, I'm not i don't suck as hard as i once did i think everybody to a degree is always going to like you know let's get a big Robbing ego, <laughs> you're not going to be like, yeah, I'm the best ever was, you know, that kind of thing. And then, then you get, you know, come crashing down or people want to bring you down, but you actually put it on paper and get it done and not just sit in a sketchbook, sit in a notebook or in your head or in a word file on your computer, but actually have it compressed into six pages. Like if you, it's like, if you couldn't, if you can't get it compressed into six pages, whether it's like, you could have like two or three panels, two or three pages with like two panels each. And then one whole panel with nothing but text. I mean, go back and look at uh, Pax Romana by Jonathan Hickman or Nightly News by Jonathan Hickman. Most of that was like computer illustrated, computer assisted illustrated and a lot of text, and a lot of info. And you know what? I'd be, you know, if you just to get your idea out there, do it, do what you have to. But don't just let it don't just let it rot and sit around and like and woe is me I've not made no comics but boom try it it may not may, may be messy but I'd rather see a mess than see nothing at all. That's well, what I, was, I, I so that's I mean I hope people are listening to you right now because I think it, more than anything else whether you're just talking about kind of your own passion of being in the industry or getting your story out or or you want to be on your way to working for one of the big two publishers or whatever your dream is um, it's got to start somewhere and. I think it's like playing the odds, right? So if, if you want to work for Marvel, you can just start putting work out there. And, and like I said, 12 years, you've got you know, 60, 70 books out. Um, or you can spend those 12 years just desperately hoping you're making the right friends and that the politics will fall the exact right way that you'll get hired to do a job somewhere and then you'll have just enough talent to beat out everybody else. I mean, it seems like the difference between kind of stacking the odds in your favor and just leaving all of the luck in somebody else's hands. Yeah, exactly. It's like you got to take your own destiny in your own hands. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people, I see conventions. Uh, I've not, I really have gone to one convention. My first one, 
I ever went to was really just in a parking lot at a Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, that's where I actually first met my, I met uh, Randy Green. He did Witchblade. He did uh, Cable, X-Men for a bit. I uh, think New X-Men, the uh, the New Mutants and all that kind of stuff. And it was a, uh, it was the uh, Collection Connection comic book convention. is really just a parking lot sale with a couple of uh, comic local comic artists and everything. And it was, uh, and then Heroes Con is the main one I've gone to, and a, like, you know, a couple of smaller shows. And mm-hmm. the, but I see a lot of these, you know, how to make comic books and everything like that, or how to, you know, like oh, how to break into comic books, and that those things make me angry now. And knowing now, knowing now what I, you know, didn't know then those things make me angry. It's because it's like this, this not, you can't just one little seminar. You can't, Oh, how do we break in? It's like, you want to break in, make comics, yeah. make comics. You want to see, if you make comics, you're passionate about, make comics. You want others to pick up. And it's like, you know, and if somebody's like, Oh, you suck, you should give up. I'm like, you know what? If you give up, that's on you. It's like, I feel like the, I feel like, uh, uh, Louis Costa Jr. And officer and a gentleman. It's like, quit, you, you know, you quit, give up. It's like, instead of being like, yeah, you can do it. And it's like, I used to be that way. It's like the whole encourage people to like, you know, pick if you're feeling down and you don't feel like you can make it in comics, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. I'm like, now I'm like, no, quit, give up. If you don't belong here. Then you leave. Nobody wants you because if you have to, every time you go down, you have to have somebody else pick you up. You're, you're, how are you going to support yourself? How are you going to sustain yeah. your own momentum? It's like, oh, I got to look at somebody. Like there was a one of the there was an artist I met him. Uh, this is after I met him, actually. Uh, yeah, it was after I met him uh, at Heroes Con one year, and he was he seemed like a nice. He seemed like kind of a downer. Like when he's like a lot of artists are. They're like, oh, it's like I'm, I make comic books. You know, it's like you're, you're miserable. You're like you're supposed to like. I mean, I, when I did that. I was miserable at that show. I'm like, I got Jesus looking over my shoulder. I'm selling a comic where an angel is in selling corn, which is a, a condensed form of evil. And a God who looks like a bulldog who talks like macho man <laughs> shows up and, in, and yells at old lady cuts her, cuts her off in line and says her vagina stinks. And I'm selling this in a church. I didn't know this was going to be a church. They didn't tell me until I got there in Denver. I'm like, Oh no. And I'm like, I brought these things. I'm like, ah, well, you know, if, there, if God's going to strike me down, it's like, it happened here. I mean, I already broke my leg at church when I was a kid. So it's like, maybe that's a sign. It's like, I warned you once, Larry, don't make me angry. <laughs> you broke your leg this time next to me, your neck. But I'm selling these things. And I've had people who's like, oh, you suck, you stink. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like okay, and what? Like, I'm going to give up because of you? you know, no, I'm going to keep doing my thing. It's like. Like, man, I yeah, screwed up on this. I'll, I'll, I'll kick myself for it. And the worst thing is like, hey, you misspelled this, or oh, you forgot to, you know, oh, that person's like, I've never missed a, uh, messed up on a finger that I know about. Like, you know, oh, you put four fingers in the hand instead of five. I'm like, on it, you know, <laughs> or a thumb and four digits, you know, but you know what I mean? That can get you a top job with the X Men, uh, actually, if you. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's, no, that's, oof, 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 oof. I, that's not fair. That's not fair. Everybody has a bad day, but no blue cover. <laughs> well, it's like, well, yeah, they, they, uh, well, and that's the worst part. It's like I used to, I used to love his work. Yeah, you, you what have happened to you? <laughs> oh man, like I, I think it might have been was was it you or Laroca? I can't remember. I, I, no, it was Laroca. Sorry, that was Laroca. No, that's Laroca. No, no, you. you oh yeah, you get yeah. this right. Yeah. yeah um, you, <laughs> using the same cover twice though with the whole like basically the same cover <laughs> well sure i mean hey, that's just working smart there but no i'm i'm uh I, so i i think 
uh, you know, we'll kind of move on to some other things, but I, I do want to stress that, you know, you, you came in, you wanted to do comics, your background was passion for comics. Yeah. And you wanted to, to make some comics. So instead of kind of calling a publisher, scouring LinkedIn, trying to hound somebody on Facebook to get a friend who was a friend who was a friend of an editor, uh, you just made comics and you built up this library. And now, um, you know, and, and this is something that I hear time and time again, you know, once you get past the initial network, the thing that people are looking for in these publishers are people who will consistently deliver. And so the, the thing that, that sells that more than anything else is having a portfolio of work that you've done because that, that, that getting past the starting line is 90% of the problem. Yeah. Even though like that's the thing, like, a lot of the, of the, how to break in people are like, the, the truth they should be telling them is like, if you're a writer, befriend an artist, get somebody to work on a project with you. Both of you are in the same, at the same level. Mm-hmm. Willing to put your both time into it. No, you know, maybe very little pay, if any at all, build your way up. If you're, you know, if you're an artist trying to break in, befriend a writer that's up and coming. And they'll maybe, and then maybe do work for free for them for a bit, you know, like, you know, take the hit now so you can gain entry later and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it, like that right there, that's not me. I could never do that. So like, I do everything myself. I write, I draw. Well, really, a lot of the stuff is like, it's all visual in my head. It's more like storyboards without a script. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, like, it'll be, a lot of the stories are focused around one image or like, one thing. It's like, that'll branch out into a whole story. And it's like, how, how do I get to see, how do I get to see that point without just like just drawing that and then expand it out? And like, I, I was talking to someone one time, I said, this idea of a dinosaur being chased by some hunters and the dinosaur realizes like, wait a second, I'm a dinosaur, turns around and eats all the hunters. And that's <laughs> how and did a story about that and about this dinosaur gets lost in a blizzard and these kind of Eskimo caveman, whatever looking hunters are chasing him. And he's like, wait a second, you know, and he's eating him. And there's like a vegetarian dinosaur. It's like, Oh, I'm, I already ate. Oh, I'm a vegetarian. You know, that kind of thing. It's just, it's, it's, it's silly, stupid little stuff, but it's, ideas actually getting put out there on paper in you something you could hand over and it's like boom here you go it's a story called dino d-i-e dash n-o and it's like it's stupid it's fun but i think that right there it's like it's actually in your hand but you know just yeah. building i'll build up my friendships and like circles of people and i'm connected this person now follows me and i might send them a dm every now and then and check in and, and see if i can if i can worm my way in like into their graces and i've yeah. talked to people like you know, like yeah that that person like they're over there now but before they got to that point they're over here pestering everybody trying to get like a trying to get a gig and trying to get a leg up and this and that like not like being earnest and being like a you know trying to be friendly but like just using like, Hey buddy, we're friends, right? You want to give me a gig and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I can never do that. Like I can act for a bit, but I couldn't keep up that act. I'd break down. Like I listen, I got too much of a conscience for this. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be using it. I couldn't do it. I also just say, and I don't know if this is your experience or at least as you what from what you've seen, but I think there comes a time I, I I'm not kind of Pollyanna and that there there's always a time when you network and you play politics and it's there's there's a certain aspect of keeping your job and, and working your way up a, a corporate chain, but you gotta make your way into the corporation first, I think, before you really do that. And so I watch people kind of front load all of that politic work 
and they neglect you know the fundamentals of you know, learning how to draw learning how to tell a story learning what it means to set type i mean I, we're, we're entering into this generation again i don't know if you've seen it you mentioned that you're starting to do things digital but a lot of the artists coming up and i've heard this kind of time and time again from marvel and dc editors uh, there is no pencil portfolio anymore these are we've got a, a generation of artists who started digital have has never actually worked with pen and paper or ink and paper and they don't know what that's like and and so there's a kind of a worry that there's a fundamental there that's just gone i mean I, I guess i'll ask you as you make comics imagine if you had just started digital and never actually drawn anything on pen and paper do you think it would have impacted your work i really think it would have if i hadn't had the Drawing, I, I, I do. I still do. Uh, I do commissions. I do a lot of digital commissions. I do traditional commissions. Traditional costs more because, first off, it's more time consuming. There is not a control Z. You know, there's no, there's no backing up. If I screw up too bad, there's no. Oh, I can't draw on a different layer and all this and that. It's like I do I, my little commissions, and boom, there you go. It's like it is what it is. All black and white, pen and ink. I don't do that Copic markers. I've never. I've tried getting into them. Like. Black and white's my thing. It's like I've tried coloring, you know, di- you know, traditionally, and it looks like a child got a hold of it. It's like, oh, thanks for thanks for that sweetheart, you know, that kind of deal. It's like you know, it's like you know, your kids trying to help you out. It looked like a kid got a hold of it. But when it comes to traditional pen and paper, I have plenty of pen and paper. I have plenty of pens and uh, markers and pencils, and you know, I I've, I do traditional art on occasion and a lot of times when my stories i'll actually draw draw out the thumbnails in pencil if not ballpoint pen and then scan them in or photograph them in and then basically cop uh crop and then paste and blow up that thumbnail mm-hmm. to and then and use that as the base now that's a really rough thumbnail and i do tighter pencils over that it's not one-to-one pencils i'm talking thumbnails i'm talking literally the size of your pinky nail and i'm like well how could you even see that it's like, i I draw real tiny. I get used to it. And I'd be in high school and I'd have a, a piece of computer paper and a ballpoint pen. And I'd fold over the paper like 16 times to fit in my pocket. And I'd be drawing like ideas and car designs, like for future, like, you know, for hero cars. Not like, you know, I'm, I drew cars. Like, no, I, was, I tried to draw like, you know, like the, not Batmobiles, but some, some, you know, like futuristic looking stuff for, you yeah. know, characters or draw like monsters and other stuff. And then it got me in trouble. People thought it was like, oh, he's making a kill list. <laughs> Yeah, and like we need to see what's on your piece of paper and i was like i'm like here you go and it's like well, what does this mean I'm like that right there let me see uh he shoots lasers from his face and okay, you know, okay. <laughs> and it's like yeah, well, that kind of stuff it's like oh i'm not gonna i wouldn't shoot the school up i'm like i don't want to get i don't want to have to commit suicide or get arrested or get shot it's like y'all ain't worth that <laughs> i told him to their face it's like and this is after <laughs> this is after columbine and all that stuff too i was like I'm, I'm being blunt. I'm, I'm being blunt with them, but I, I, I knew where I stood. I'll say right now for kids listening, uh, don't try this at home. This is not. Don't. Yeah, this is this is years ago now. I mean, this is back before. I mean, it, this is the same school. I mean, I, this, this it was a uh, had a mildew smell because they had a mildew problem in the school itself. So it'd be stuck to your clothes. It'd be like it, toxic hazard. But hey, whatever. It's like they'll they'll worry about what somebody's drawing on a piece of paper. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're going to practice your skills, you know, maybe at, at school, the Punisher, a bunch of weapons, and the list of your classmates, not the way to go. Yeah, but I mean, considering, I mean, there's pretty much every lunch, there was a fight, like, you know, most, a lot of, a lot of girl-on-girl fights, and it wasn't like, you know, 
oh, like, you know, some kind of, oh, somebody threw some jello in there. These are high school kids. Like, dear God, it's like hair get pulled, people get punched, blood goes everywhere. And then teacher tries to break it up, gets punched themselves, whether it's a he or she. So it's, it was, uh, it was like, it was kind of like being in a, being in prison. It's like, I looked at like, all right, prison, you know, walking into prison that morning, leaving out of prison. I was miserable. I would have quit school if it was, if I had a choice. If I, I, I told somebody I would quit school if it wasn't for the fact that I had to go and get a GED and I don't want to fill out the paperwork. <laughs> it's all that stuff. So it's like, that's all the right there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, but that's the thing. Like, tra- practicing traditionally with pencils, with pens, uh, just with whether it is, you know, normal 11 by 17 art boards you can get from like, Michael's art store or wherever, and just, trying that out and knowing what it's like to do that traditionally so you can use those I, you know, skills digitally where mm-hmm. you make it look more grounded it's like you look at some of these artists you can tell they do everything 100% digitally and they never like they if they have picked up a pen and pencil and gone on paper it hasn't been for a long while and it just doesn't have that the weight doesn't isn't there on the page you can tell and, and I can and sometimes I can see it in my own artwork and I can try to correct that make it look like when I pencil when I, I pencil very rough and I ink, usually that's where I do all the details in the inks. The devil's in the details when the far as inks go. And I try not to abuse like, you know, like the the brushes, like I had said previously, like, oh, I want to do shading. I was like, I'll like I'll do screen tones, I'm gonna do shading. Cause like that right there, it's like, yes, that's digital, but considering how much screen tones are to buy them today, is like the little tone sheets, which are nightmarish if you can find them. Oh, and yeah. to cut around and pay, oh, the hell with that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I wonder, I, I've got to wonder how many people, you gotta, if, so people listening to this, you got to leave me in the comments if you have no idea what we're talking about right now. It's, uh, <laughs> at what point generationally did that shift? Because I, I think that's one thing that I will be very glad is left in the kind of the garbage heap of artists' history is uh, the, the kind of the cutting around the tones and all that mess. Oh, God. I, I bought a, a original, some original art from uh, Colleen Dorn. Uh, about 10 years ago now and I bought some pages from Orbital which is like when her, her more recent or no, the book she did with uh, Warren Ellis it's yeah. about uh, sci-fi it's called horror and it was beautiful black and this you know beautiful dark blacks and everything like that you know crisp line work that she did with like a very uh, rich you know darkness to it and I bought some of her original distant soil pages and there were some pages that uh, there was a page I got and I was like, I love the page. And it had screen tones on it. I was like, oh, my God. She had to cut around that. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, such a nightmare. The fact that, that that took a lot of time to do that page is the main reason I bought it. It's like that's a lot of effort that went into this page. Just for a little, some, not even a whole bunch of screen tones. Just even the smallest amount. It's like so time consuming. And people, nowadays, you just go in, boom, click this, boom, you're done. You got screen tones on your page <laughs> and do a gradient erase. And there you go. You, you crop and you cut and erase with a standard erase, digital eraser and boom, there you go. Now it's like, you know, back then you had to take the sheet out make sure you had enough of it. Cause you're you know, not throwing it all away. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's so easy nowadays. And it's like one of those things like you get lazy and complacent when it comes to digital art. And it's like, uh, I try not to be that bad. I, I, I catch myself time and time. I'm like, ah, you know, I'll let it slide. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like, you got to have that roots in traditional, I think, to have a stronger, not only just art, but storytelling, you know, kind of approach. Storytelling. I like that. I, I, and so this could be the most old man comment yet uh, coming out from me. But 
you think people, uh, so there's a certain amount of suffering then that, that took place at one point to do art. Do you think people have to suffer to, to kind of really get the skills down? Oh, they have to, they quote unquote suffer. And like, you don't know what suffering is. You don't know oh. what pain is. I feel like a James Gum a little bit. He's like, you know, it's like that kind of thing. It's like your Buffalo Bill. It's like, they don't know what pain is when it comes to, oh, wow, you screwed up and messed up on the wrong layer. Oh, oops, you have a backup usually if you've saved. Oh, you accidentally spill ink. Uh, or if you're doing uh, watercolor art, I was doing some watercolor work a while back and accidentally spilt some and ruined the entire page. And not only that, but I thankfully I had this idea. It's like, you know, I'm going to get me an old towel. I'm going to put it on my lap just to get this artboard being mm-hmm. the way it was. And when it spilt, it went down. It's like it would have got all over me. And it was like just black mess it looked like it looked like venom it looked it looked like i just slayed venom and it's like all over the artboard and everything i was using a black watercolor it's big old black watercolor cake and it it, the water had pulled up inside the caked reservoir and it that's what had spilled and oh god it got all over the page like the only only piece i could salvage was part of the head and a little bit like the bust of the character the shoulders and the head and i'm like tore it up threw it in the trash went for a quick walk to cool down came back went back to work uh which is a lot of fun which is a lot of fun to basically go back and have it re-pencil it and then do like the because i usually use uh standard ticonderoga pencils or mechanical pencils i'm going more detailed but for watercolor i just use ticonderoga easy to erase i i use the uh Stedlitter non-repo blue pencils occasionally but those things are nightmare to erase oh yeah they are yeah. They, they, they don't re they don't reproduce but you can see them with a naked eye and i hate seeing all that extra blue line and it's hard to tell like, which line do i go with it's like it's like seeing a map and not knowing exactly which roads which without no labels so uh yeah it's like i the suffering of traditional art compared to the modern digital it's like where back in the 50 years ago where if you need a photo reference you have to go and look in life magazine you have to go look in this magazine that whatever maybe go to a library and actually look stuff up but you couldn't rip it out of the you couldn't rip it out of the library magazines you actually had to go in there and either draw it photograph it take a get a photocopier if they had a photocopier there now you could just go to google image search and boom drop it in yeah. it's like you know and or oh i remember this scene from a movie you look up the movie on youtube screen cap it take that maybe flip it you know change the person's hair but the same face all this and that and just drop it in it's like hey i, I want to draw norman osborne uh let me let me let me just uh get tommy lee jones and just drop him in here and put these little squiggly lines on top of his head boom there you go know. done i have no idea what you're talking what artist you're talking about oh yeah I, yeah it's just it's, the name escapes me right now but, uh, <laughs> but yeah it's like that kind of thing it's like the traditional art the people who do traditional art still I think they do suffer more. And I think that idea of suffering a bit, I'm not saying you always suffer, you know, you have to suffer for your art. No, but to understand what it, you have to go through, it's like, it's the idea, it's like, you know, of almost like a, almost artistic boot camp in a way. It's like, you have to know how bad it can be. So just so you can enjoy it. It's like, you know, everything's fine. Everything's great. Oh no, what do I do now? Kind of thing. It's like, you know, no, understand where it could go and how hard it can be so you can appreciate the tools. And that's why I, try, I don't 100% do digital. Like, I'll never touch pencils ever again. Ah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I like having that ability where, oh, draw this idea out and then scan it in or ink it myself or blow it up. The problem is like, like scanning inks are, is always weird to me. It, it's never, I've never got that down right where it looks 
yeah. you know, even at 600 DPI, 1200 DPI, just giant file takes forever to scan in. So looks like doesn't look as good as when I would digitally ink it. Uh, but yeah. I mean, there's a generation of artists. I was uh, seeing a thread recently who talked about uh, they're using procreate for all of the, the rendering and the concept of DPI is kind of lost on them. It, it's like, what's that? You know, it's, <laughs> it's oh, yeah. these, these terms that are going away, but I, I guess, and I know we've, we've gone into art talk and that's cool too. Uh, but um, I, again, I, I guess I want to stress, kind of repeat the same theme. You know, you wanted to make comics, you made your own comics, you wanted to learn how to do it. You taught yourself. Um, you still, I, I mean, any, did you take any, any classes? Did you go to any seminars? Did you pay anybody? Did you, you know, there's, there's lots of artists who will pay you to teach you how to, you know, learn how to make a comic. Did you do any of that? The only seminar I ever went to, I was going to actually go to Savannah College of Art and Design, SCAD, where uh, a lot of, they have a comic book program and everything. Totally looked at the price <laughs> and I realized I'm not going to go into debt. Like I was that kind of person, even in high school, I was one of those like, yeah, let's cost, you know, cost benefit analysis. Like, okay, well, you know, well, Larry, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed your dreams would come true if you go and spend, you know, all these thousands of dollars and go many thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in debt just so somebody could break you down and build you back up in their own image and, you know, not guarantee, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing I guarantee. Like, that's the whole idea. And it's like, instead, I picked up a couple of books. So one in particular is actually out of print now. It's unfortunate. It's actually quite helpful considering who put it out wizards how to draw comics or how to draw a book volume one which yeah. is a collection of their how to draw stuff another another bart sears super muscular ripped all that kind of stuff but it's everything from how to draw like it's a good touchstone same thing with how to draw comics the marvel way i think i think everybody worth their salt has a copy of that but also have will eisner's graphic storytelling and visual narrative which three panel sequence in that it's like tells you everything you need to know Here's a guy who walks into a box. He's like kind of sad looking. Walks into a. He's got a. There's a uh, pawn shop. Guy walking towards pawn shop. Pawn shop. Uh, the the guy walks out of the pawn shop. Guy puts uh, these uh, uh, baby shoes on sale, never used. Uh, you know, in the pawn shop kind of thing. So it's basically saying the guy's sad because he's lost his kid. He's got to sell the kid's shoes. He's that poor. And then the pawn shop is selling him. It's like one like three panel story. Like boom, tells you everything you need to know. And that's like graphic storytelling. It's Will Eisner, you know, the spirit, which is basically just a foil for Will Eisner to basically tell, you know, tell visually interesting stories. And these kind of things were more influential than anything I could learn, I think, at any community college or any like life drawing thing. Because like I would used to do life drawing, no problem. I'd sit there, I'd sit and draw people at parties, at school, and other stuff. And sometimes it would get me in trouble. Because like, I didn't give you permission to draw me. I'm like, I ain't like I'm taking a photograph of you. You're sitting there doing nothing. I'm just drawing, whatever. Like <laughs> anybody. But I did take a uh, how to draw Spider-Man course from Mark Bagley and Scott Hanna at Heroes Con one year. Oh, how was that? And it uh, it was uh, to, to see Mark Bagley rag on me and use me as an example. It was like basically Mr. Mr. Hand from uh, Fast Time Rise My High. It's like oh, you know, he, he didn't say, what, "Are you on dope?" But he came close to. It. He's like mocking. The the he was like uh, describing this page uh, this page like Batman in the Batcave contemplating sitting in front of the back computer and everything and I drew this out and like I had Batman with his uh, thumb and underneath his chin and his index finger uh, under between his chin and bottom lip mm -hmm. 
And because of the, I did a little fuller lips, I was kind of going for a, I guess, a more Val Kilmer looking Batman. Yeah, I was not that great of an artist. He's like, what is this? Looks like he's about to pick his, pick his nose. What is this? And he's like holding it up and like, like in front of the people and the people were chuckling and everything. And Scott Hanna's like, oh, shaking his head. Like, leave the guy. He like, I was the only one that had scotch tape to a, to a tip, to a fix. So he show how to do coloring. It was, it was fun. Uh, not coloring, um, uh, do shadow work. I could actually put, add shadows to artwork. Uh, they're criticized that remember that uh, Carlos Pacheco uh Fantastic Four Sinbad comic that came out like around 2000 yeah absolutely well there's not a lot of shadow work in there because Pacheco like he's like one of these like very he doesn't do shadow stuff like again you kind of well there's a light source here there'd be shadow over here I'm the one that provided the the scotch tape to tape the photocop the photostat copies of the pages these 11 by 17 copies <laughs> I provided the scotch tape I provided the markers because they didn't have any of that. And over here, he's mocking me. And I'm like, dude, I basically gave you, and one guy's like, hey, man, don't take it, don't take it hard. And like Scott Hanna's apologizing for Pagley's <laughs> like insults. But then afterwards, I did get, uh, I, I, he just left it on the table. I got the, his script for Batman, Spider-Man, the, that, that script, his copy, and picked up a bunch of uh, photocopies of original um, art, black and white art from everything from uh, Adam Kubert, or I think it was Andy Cooper, the Thor issues, some of the art, the Gladiator versus Thor, yeah. uh, uh, some John Romita Jr. pencils, oh, like nice. photocopies, which is like, to get these things, like you'd have to, they weren't releasing these artist editions and this and that. This is like 2002, 2003. So they, they, those things weren't around. So I actually had these on hand and I still got a lot of them. I think I gave like one or two away, but to actually have these original artwork to look at the size and the style and, and kind of that was another thing that helped me out to actually see how these artists draw to see what the pencils and what the inks look like before the coloring, before the lettering, and to see like the techniques. It's like you don't use you know uh, sharpie markers or big fat jumbo sharpies <laughs> on if you want that you want that page to last, and you know you don't go over the uh, the, the lead, don't over lead it. You know, like all oh, your your shading with lead lightly shade or put X's. I learned that from Bob Layton. Bob Layton said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> he was doing like a portfolio review one year. It actually helped me out a lot. It's like, I did some Silver Surfer. Uh, Silver Surfer meets uh, Captain Marvel. Some Captain Marvel, like two or three pages I did. And he's like, I don't know where the story's going. It's not bad. You, you, got, the, you got a lot of the, you know, kind of the visual storytelling down. I, I'm not seeing no issues there. I don't know what script you worked with, but it looks pretty good. Uh, just don't. All this uh, lead, all the all the graphite on the page, you ink it. it the, it's going to come right off the page. There's nothing to it, the, the ink to affix to. to yeah. Do that. <laughs> lighter, lighter touch, lighter touch. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and I kind of moved on. Like, thank you very much. Shook his hand and then left. Uh, but yeah, stuff like that. It's like that. Right. Those are the only things that really helped me out. When was the last time somebody did a portfolio review that wasn't you know trying to use it for you know, internet shekels and stuff like that. <laughs> Well, yeah, it is the, uh, I mean, it is amazing. The, the portfolio reviews you get now are, are more for entertainment value, less for education. But a lot of them, I'm seeing more and more of them slowly start to pop up where, um, and I, I'm not sure, I should, I'll, I'll try and dig them up and link to them in this video if, if I remember, and I won't. Um, but <laughs> just, just being honest, I know. Um, but there's, there's a bunch of uh, kind of old, almost video camera stuff from the 90s that I'm seeing pop up on YouTube now that are like, you know, 
artist reviews and portfolio reviews and how to draw this stuff. And it's, there's some Steve Ditko stuff that's up there. It's amazing to watch. And it, but it's all, everything you're talking about, it's, it's very old school. And you see some of the comments on it talking about, well, you know, none of this really applies anymore because we do the work digitally. And, and here's kind of a master talking about shading and, and, and style. And it's, uh, it, I don't know, it's a lost art, I guess. It really is. I mean, th- there is something missing with comics, the fact that we're going so digital. And, I, you know, I don't see myself as really an artist. I'm, more of a, I'm a storyteller. I try to be a storyteller. I'm not a great storyteller, but I'm a storyteller. I, I'm in that category. I'm more of, I don't, like, oh, I'm a penciler. I'm an inker. I'm like, the reason I pencil and ink my stuff is because I, I don't really play well with others. I know that, like, people say, like, you know, they oh, that, that sounds like a line from a movie or whatever, but it's just the truth. It's like, when I've had other, like, you know, I'm not, like certain people, I will give them a chance. I'm willing to work with them. It's like, but having to, like, you know, like, seeing what they're doing, like, get out of the way. I, I got this. It's like having to go in there. It's like, if I want something done, I have to do it myself kind of thing. <laughs> and if something goes wrong, I could blame myself. I don't have to blame somebody else, like, put the finger at somebody, point the finger and say, oh, you, you're the one that screwed up my inks. I had the pencils and they were tight and they look great and you had to go and screw it up. What is this? What is this? You know, kind of thing. It's like, I would rather do it myself and then either take the blame or credit. You know, usually it's, you know, not necessarily credit, but I'm like, not too many complaints, you know, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I think digital has allowed people, you know, they go independent, but they don't have that, like you said, they don't have that kind of approach because of the ever traditional it's like where you have to worry about shading you have these other concerns on your mind because there's other people along in the process it's like that gets passed to the editor that gets passed to this you know that that goes gets shipped in the pencils go here the links go there the colors are assumed you know now it's like boom one-stop shop you got people doing everything you know like uh, people like josh howard doing it successfully with his uh his book t-bird and throttle yep. doing everything himself and like that kind of thing and it's successful I and mean, then you see other people I'm not going to say no names, but they're not as successful. They, you know, they're trying, but maybe they're not hundred percent there. And it's like, I, I just know how tiresome color, some coloring comics can be. So I'm like, maybe in the future, if I'll just save the money up and hire somebody to do it outside of a cover or two, but, uh, whew, doing it, doing it by yourself. I, I found out how hard it could be. It's, it's hard. It's, it's funny The both lettering and coloring is one of those things that people tend to ignore and, and tends to be at least for, for what I've seen the most tedious part, um, in a lot of cases. Um, oh yeah, it really is. I mean, that's the thing about lettering. I mean, it's like lettering too. It's like if you made a mistake on your script and there was uh, maybe spell check didn't catch it and you've read it through multiple times and you've seen that you've, this stuff's been in your head, you put it out in paper or, or in a doc file and you're going through it and all this and you're just you've been with it for so long it's like the you it's like if you're in a place that stinks you're there long enough the smell doesn't bother you anymore but you leave and then come back oh this place reeks it's that kind of thing like that script stinks you don't realize it till you leave and come back you're like oh no it's like that kind of thing it's like you realize you you maybe something a little too late and and that can happen and i think digital you know everything is with you at one time but traditional, you had all these checks and balances. You had art directors. Yeah, like somebody like John Romita Sr., like over at Marvel, like looking over people's shoulder. I mean, yeah, you'd have, you know, kind of the workman artists, people that were no frills. And it's like I told – I said something like I I love Sabasima's work. Uh, but he was like a no frills artist. He was not this, you know, I'll blow people away with the same thing with Ron Friends. I love these guys because they're the 
the the average Joe comic book illustrators. But now it's like these guys. Once I'm like, oh, they're on a book. Okay, that's you know whatever. But now it's like that you don't you don't even get that. You get the scab labor where it's like you put your hand lean against the wall and your hand goes through it. <laughs> you know, floors the floor is like rotted. It's like well, where'd you get this wood? Well, I had these little bugs crawling on it. We didn't think it was a big deal. It's like it was termites. And it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of approach. But it's not just for Marvel. It's for everybody else, too. It's like this, you know, they they go cheap. It's like, if you can't do it right, maybe wait a little bit, you know, save the money and get people to know what they're doing. Well, and so that begs the question. So, I mean, we, we, so we're talking about kind of building comics, making comics, getting mm-hmm. started, you know, where some of the influences are, how you learn. Um, I got to go. I got to go here um, because it's such a big topic right now. Um, okay. Not mentioning other names um, or, or other routes, but it seems like if you're on the outside looking in, your routes are go to one of the big publishers, um, somehow find your way into one of the second tier, third tier publishers, or kind of fat of the day, it's uh, crowdfund. And I see a lot of people talking about, well, if you're a new comic creator, your only real route at this point, if you want to make money and you want to be successful and you want to get any kind of audience, is crowdfunding. So you you've largely neglected the crowdfunding model. I intentionally ignored a lot of it. It would be more appropriate, I would say. I, I was considering it for a while. I considered. I was like, you know what, Indiegogo seem okay. I'm looking into it, and also I'm like, I, I the letters I G G. Seeing that for the past year and what ten months, yeah. seeing the past year, basically year and ten months. I G G. I G G. Here's my Indiegogo. Here's my Indiegogo. Uh, this. It's almost to the point of like enough. I'm t- I don't. There's like maybe two, one or two books. There's like maybe one or two creators. I actually back now. I've got to the point where I have, and then the, the real reason I'm back in the projects is like you know what, the people have delivered in the past, deliver deliver constantly, and I enjoy what they do. And it's like it's not just something like oh here's a here 24 page comic. I'm, I want 20 bucks for it, including shipping. I'm like no. I'm not going to do that. It's like, that's, just, that's too much money. And it's like, I'm like, I understand making comics costs money. And that's a lot of people say, well, I need to do a crowdfunding book to pay for it. It's like, okay, do you have a cover? Well, I have promo art. Okay. Do you want, do you have any pages? No. Like, see, you haven't even bothered writing the script and getting like maybe the first say four pages. Yeah. It's a 60 page, a 40, 60 page comic. You can't even show me the first few pages. Like, okay. Like I, said, I can preview example. Like you pitching a comic. It's like you're pitching it to the crowd. These people have pitched books with no evidence that they can actually do the comic, with no evidence of the comic what it will look like. Because it's like, yeah, you show if you show the first four pages and they look kind of dodgy. Now, back in the day, like when they used to do this kind of in a way appropriate, there would be very slow back in the days of VHS tapes. This is basically how I relate to the modern comic. Well, we are in this phase right now. People would go over to Cannes or wherever, Venice film festivals, and they would have posters made up. And they would have the posters for a movie, like, looks amazing. And the movie, when you actually bought the movie and all this and that, or paid for the movie, it would be, like, the first five to 15 minutes would look great and be, like, actions, planes exploding, and the rest of it would be just people talking. There's a movie called The Tomb. And it has, like, Sybil Danning, and it's, like, it looks like it's Indiana Jones kind of things, planes blowing up, and like, oh, you got Cameron Mitchell, and you got uh, David. Uh, I mean, uh, Carradine, John John Carradine, and a bunch of other people. Like, oh, okay, cool. I, I mean, I'm, seems like it'd be a cool movie. 
boring. Nothing happens after the first like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what the, a lot of these projects are like. It's like it's hype up front and then the, no delivery. Because unlike the VHS days, are you know, most of the time it's renting. You're at the, you know, but that's back in the day where like rentals like five five bucks, which now would be like 15 for a new rental. Yeah. Like, oh, I got gypped. At least you return the tape and you, and you learn your lesson. You didn't pay you know 30 bucks up front for something that you won't get for another year. And I make stuff up front. It's like I make it on my own time. I, since I'm a one man band, a, you know, one one stop shop when it comes to comics, I make everything myself. I don't ask for money up front. I somebody sent me uh, money, a pre order the last comic I did, Neon Trash Store Morning, available now. Uh, Thirty two page full color comic, uh, sex bot named Peaches who uh, reprogrammed to be a police officer from Miami. There's a storm coming, and she's not only got to worry about the storm hitting Miami, but a Soviet cyborg. Uh, there's the pitch, and it's uh, suggested from true readers. But doing that had somebody prepay for the book, and I was like, "Thank you, but please never do that again." It's like, why not? It's like, I don't want it. Don't want your money until it's done. I don't. I don't like the whole idea of prepaying for stuff. Like, I don't mind if it's like, oh, I got it in my hand, and here you go, and you just like that kind of stuff. But that's actual transaction. I don't like this idea of like I have to owe. That's why I've never done a Patreon too. Almost because it's like hipster welfare in some regard. It's like that. I do think of it kind of similar to that. It's this idea of asking for money and then having owing people stuff. I don't like owing people anybody anything. Yeah. It's like I don't borrow money. If I don't have it, I don't buy it. It's like I don't. The idea of doing that kind of well, you have your you owe these people. They're you know they're paying for your art. You have to do it for them. Like I do it for myself first and foremost, and hopefully, but I also cater it to a potential audience. And that does, you know, go into my line of thinking. It's, I'm not going to do some, you know, weird off the wall. Like only I would enjoy it, and like jokes that only I would get, kind of thing. Because you could do that, and maybe you'd find an audience, but more than likely you won't. And when it comes to comics, I make, like I said, make it up front. Boom! Here it is. It's done. If you want to buy it? Here you go. If you don't, well, well, you know, I'll just keep on moseying or keep on making the comics might not be as fast as I would if I had more money coming in, but I'll still make them. Yeah. It's like, it's, I think that's the thing. It's like, there's people, it's like, they want to be paid up front for something they haven't even shown that they can do. And the Indiegogo crowdfunding, I, I honestly think that people are getting burned out of seeing, here's my campaign. Here's my, it's like, imagine going to every convention and they don't have anything to sell, but they do have like, Oh, in a year you'll have your comic. Yeah. Like, I want something now. <laughs> it's like, you got anything now? And somebody does do something then. It's like, well, your idea isn't as good as that person's over there. I'm like, you won't get that for a year and a half. I got mine now. Come on. <laughs> it's like, that's how it feels sometimes. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. Well, I kind of wonder. And, and I mean, for people listening, I think it's, it's it, unfortunately, it's become a really, uh, almost a sore spot. I mean, it's become very tribal, um, who you support, Definitely. what you support. And I, I'm hoping at least people listening to this now, the, the intention why I'm asking these questions, and I know I've talked to you enough, Larry, I know this isn't kind of what's in your head either. Uh, it's not taking shots at people. It's, it's looking at the, the business and, and kind of the dynamic of crowdfunding in general. It's, um, it, it's, I think I want, you know, my intention, I know your intention, a lot of people, we want more comics out in the world. We want nice easy ways for people to get comics out in the world. We want people to be able to make them and have those barriers be down. And at crowdfunding, I've long struggled with because there's, on one hand, 
it's a good viable way to go do things. But on the other hand, it feels like it creates a bit of a trap. And it's a trap I think you're describing where it, you know, it, it's, it's easy entry, but maybe you haven't done the homework ahead of time to know what you're doing. And therefore, you're almost setting yourself up for failure. Is that kind of the, the is that how you feel? Or? I, I feel very much like that because let's say you do, a, you do a crowdfunding project. You got, okay, you got an artist on board. And he promised them, okay, we're gonna, you're gonna get this much money to do the comic, okay. And the book, book is successful, and let's say it's even, you know, I have, a, I have a rule of thumb: if if a project I'm backing hits like, a, well, they 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 got their funding, great. I stop promoting it. They've already hit the. I don't I don't do the whole. Even if it's somebody I like, oh, I got stretch goals. I don't want to have nothing to do with that. I don't I don't promote it. It's like you already got your money. That's all you need. <laughs> they said that's all you needed. That's all your. That's all the support I'm giving you. I'm not I'm not throwing any more to. Oh, get stretch goal three or four or any of that stuff. It's like, I don't believe in that. So I don't, I don't participate in that. And I think there is something like where you don't plan these things out. It's like, well, you don't even have uh, the actual cover. You don't have the first four pages. You don't even have a script done. So yeah. we're working on the script. And I'm like, how hard is it to do a script? You can, you can do a script pretty quickly. I mean, people more move at different paces, but you don't have a script and you don't even know what the basic story is going to be until after the funding process is done yeah. that well, so you're going to, so you wouldn't do this project if the money wasn't there. Well, it takes money to make comics. It don't take money to write a script. Unless I mean, you're doing, you know, hundreds of different things. You could actually literally stop what you're doing to make time and write a script. You don't even have a script done. That tells me that's a red flag. Yeah. And then you don't even have enough money. It's like, okay, this artist I'm paying them paying up front for like four pages plus a cover. And well, you know, you'll get like half your normal rate if we get this thing in front. If not, I'll, I'll pay you the rest, and or, or something along those lines, or something. Pay them just up front, and you got the four pages plus the uh, cover, mm-hmm. or something like a taste of like what to expect, like a preview. I mean, we used to do these things with so previews. You know, this like whether it be Wizard or the back of a comic book, you'd actually have previews like what to expect, and the or at least a couple of images, or your promo, at least something nothing you get like you know, a little bit of you know it's hype but these you know going this approach it's like you don't have like you don't have how you gonna get it distributed are you gonna mail them all out yourself do you have little mailer your little mailers do you have enough mailers do you want to do a, your separate fulfillment service are you going to do a little scale and print out labels yourself and, and fix them yourself or hire some people off craigslist so i don't know it's like you, you don't, if you don't have a game plan so okay, you're expecting, you're asking for, you know, thousands of dollars. Have you gone through the, you know, all these proper channels and and looked at this and that? It's like, oh, we, all these comic books going to go somewhere. You got enough room in your apartment or your house or your garage or wherever. What do you want to store? You can't just store them out in the rain. <laughs> you know, you're gonna have to have them shipped to your location. It's, you got to think these things out. And I think a lot of people don't. And it's like they want to. I'm gonna make a comic, and it's like, it's like that uh, those commercials, like the the the. Drug PSAs. Like, oh, you, you want to smoke this? Oh, well, here's your crack baby. Here's your crack boyfriend. Here's your yeah, this kind of thing. It's like all these things start coming out of the Wilbur. I don't know about this. It's like, here's your retailer. Here's your here's diamond screwing you over. Here's this. I haven't thought of those PSAs in a long time. That'd be hilarious parody, by the way. Here comes diamond. Uh, Here comes diamond. Diamond rubbing up on you. It's like, yeah, we're not going to solicit your book. But we want a bigger discount. We're not going to re. We're not going to. We're not going to reorder your book. We're going to let it, the book sit on the shelves and in the warehouse and collect dust. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> oh my God. 
I can picture it. it cuts too whole close to home, don't it? <laughs> it? There's your next comic. I mean, if you, you do your next uh, short form comic, you just make a nice book for the Halloween season. It's a horror book. <laughs> horror book, retailer horror book. Like the, the, the retailer's closing up. It's it's all how it's Halloween nights, closing up early, and here comes this guy with a. He's got a head of. He's got a head of a diamond, like a <laughs> chainsaw, and he's like, "I'm slashing prices. I'm cutting, <laughs> discounting your comics." You know. If you were to go, so free idea to anybody out there, if you were to go to a con and you want to just make a small little ash can little comic of like just just nightmares of retailer woes and kind of distribution, you just show up at a con and just start passing it out to a bunch of creators, you would have people rolling on the floors. Just uh, you, you would be remembered. But anyway, um, and probably not invited back to any con in the future. Probably not. <laughs> you know, that be that as me. I just, I, I, I keep, I struggle to define this. And every time I've kind of touched on one of these things in a video, um, income kind of downvotes and people are like, oh, you're taking a shot at like uh, at Ethan Van Skyver or something like that. It's like the people like, like an Ethan Van Skyver or Rob Liefeld, maybe that's not the best example because he never shipped his, but um, they are big names. So their, their world with a crowdfunding book is radically different from somebody entering the market. And to me, it's, it's the people entering the market where crowdfunding is a bit of a trap because they don't understand what's involved, like you say. Yeah, they don't, and they don't have the reach. And that's the biggest thing. Is that there's these people and the, you know, the dreaded SJW thing and the idea is, well, they don't want to enter this because it's you know, Indiegogo because that's Nazi, that's where Nazis are, that's where Nazis comics, like whatever. What, is that? what does that even mean these days? But there's an idea. It's like, well, they're, they're afraid they won't do as good as these, uh, it's like, uh, boy zach or ethan and this and that so maybe because they don't have all these subscribers on youtube and they don't have this aura mm-hmm. mystique of people that they will there are people that will buy comics just to trash them like, how, how many people do reviews and they were just trashing this comic or that they still do it. it's not as common as it once was thank god but mm-hmm. there are people that do that and i think there is a whether it's positive or negative, there is that cult of personality around people. And you can't just do that overnight. And the idea of, oh, I'm just going to go to crowdfunding, I'm be an instant success. And everything that goes to Indiegogo, you can make, you know, you can make a half a million dollars. And wait, well, only broke like a hundred bucks and I didn't meet my goals. What's going on here? I thought I could, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, well, first off, promotion. You don't believe in your product. You don't have anything to show. It's like, well, some people can get away with that. A lot of can't. I mean, there's a, there's some of these things. I'm like, I look at a lot of these Indiegogo comics, a lot of these crowdfunding books in general, when they're not being collected. It's like you know, not like previous collected works, like something that's you know, uh, the initial three issues of the series not being collected in the trade paperback, full color with bonus material on the back. I'm like, okay, it shows me the thing's already done. It's like you're just collecting it, you know, for a future audience. But a lot of these projects, it's like all this is is oh, they have a community over here, but they're doing a crowdfunding. Oh, this is like a fish fry plate. I've, I've used this example in the past. It's like where the Shriners are doing a fish fry. You don't go up there for the fish. The fish is whatever. It's like usually not that great. The fries are probably over, over or undercooked. It's just what it is. It's a fish fry. You're buying it up, $5 plate, and that goes to whatever, you know, fundraising event. You're just fun. You're part of a fundraising thing. It isn't about the comic. It's about raising the money. Me, it's always about the comics. I'll make comics whether I make money or not. That's what most of my books, I made them for fun, handed them out as like a, you know, for fun, or sold them. Individually, you know, like I, you know, here's a copy of this. Here's a copy. Oh, you want to buy a couple of them? Here you go. Pay, you know, this plus shipping, and there you go. And there's a 
bunch of little short, like, oh, I wish the stories were longer. I'm like, ah, me too, me too. It's like, you know, one of these things, like, I don't want to get bored on something. I try to not do the same thing over and over and over again. Be that, oh, you're the guy who created that. That's the only thing you're known for. It's like uh, Eastman Laird, they're the Turtles guys. I mean, they made a big empire out of it. And, but, that's all they're known for. And it's like, I'd like to have like, you know, a little something. It's like, I wouldn't, you know, John Byrne isn't, Hey, he's just the X-Men guy. He's also, Hey, the wonder woman, the She-Hulk and Superman. <laughs> you know, he's got that stuff going on for him too, but it's, you know, th- those are you know, corporate entities, uh, except for his next men, which is uh, next men. sounds yeah, a little yeah, lot like something else. Next yeah. We all, <laughs> that one just kind of disappears. Yeah. <laughs> funny how that works but yeah it's but it's but that's how it is it's like i i think there's a lot of people that come into it thinking they're going to be you know instant you know in the, in the seven digits you know they're raking in money hand over fist and they're oh i'm i'm doing great and i'm broken in the comics and i'm making so much money and, and when they don't they get really bitter and really angry mm-hmm. and i think that right there it's like understand that you more than likely will not succeed in your initial goals if you have that kind of lofty Goal. So I'm not saying you will, you know, we'll, we'll never do it, but right off the bat, it's like, you know, for for you know, love of God, I mean, these, you know, one build up a community, uh, you know, out of outrage and other stuff, it's like outrage over this and bad comics and this and that and trashing stuff. It's like they call it roasting. Like roasting is between friends. It's like ribbing in the ribs. Like this is trashing stuff, but whatever. And another had a you know big career, Marvel, DC, and this and that rolling in and like they can earn that money they can they have that audience they have that fan base but if you haven't never done a comic if you've never even drawn a page or done a cover done a cover mock-up or shown somebody what you can do or you know like contacted an artist to get your ideas actually into the real world not just in a word file or a sketch pad or do something other than that how's anybody going to take you seriously i was like you have an idea. It's like, yeah, hey, that's great. Like we said earlier, I kind of tying it back in, put it into the real world first and show people what you can do. Then just telling them it's like, show, don't tell. <laughs> yeah, Simple I, as that. I think, I mean, in a lot of cases, kind of the two names you mentioned, I mean, Ethan, I, I hope everybody's aware. Um, although they forget it from time. And it's funny what years do to people. I mean, the guy had a, I mean, more than a decade career in mainstream big two comics so oh, like in like 20 years actually because the thing about this because well, he, he did that flash iron heights and then like him and johns went over to marvel for a bit and he had the whole you know did x-men uncanny x-men did a couple of a couple of things there got released from his contract because it was a fulfilling contract obligations fast enough then went back to DC, you know, the rebirth stuff, Flash and Green Lantern and all that, and did covers here and there and did some runs on Green Lantern, did some uh, little uh, Superman, Batman, some other stuff on those lines. So, yeah, but I mean, big, I mean, attached to big name books, some big properties, and and Richard was doing short stories for like an image and like little war stories and stuff. And like, well, actually, yeah, I mean, guys, well, drilling exactly in on that point. So, I mean, Ethan put him on the side because he's a, he's a name um, that, that came with a career long before he was. And Richard, I think, um, I mean, you know, people kind of hone in on the, on the YouTube bits and, and all that. And yes, that's how he gained an audience. But prior to that, he was doing what you were doing. He was making comics. 
Yeah, he was doing um, war stories. Like uh, one of them was called Chosen about the in Korea, the Korean War. Mm-hmm. And he was doing these short, a lot of them were short stories and some of them were collections, black and white. He was doing it himself. His artwork, you know, I you say, well, it's not great. It's like, I mean, I've seen worse. I've seen a lot worse. He was doing it himself and that's fine. That's, boom, he was making comics. And, you know, then he, I think, took a break from that for a while. The YouTube career, you know, the old boy Zach and all that kind of stuff. And then the the infamy and, you know, spats and vitriol and all this and that. And that gained him more of an audience. Like, oh, the dangerous guy and all this and that. It's like, he's just a dude. And you just made him more than what he is. And you, you but it's the, like that's one of those things at the end of the day. That's how I see it. But. Well, but I mean, the key there, though, is that regardless of any of the stuff that happened once the video started, once he was he was getting going making a book, um, doing the crowdfunding bit, he'd already made a book. And I, I think that's the kind of the most important point, whether you like the guy, dislike the guy, liked him and then disliked him or whatever you know you are on that arc. You go from a period of actually doing something before you're suddenly up there dancing on the big stage where everybody's watching you. And I think that's what people kind of miss in crowdfunding is that it's a great mechanism, but if you just wander into it as your first go, you're taking a huge risk of basically being exposed because everything you're doing is now under the spotlight of trying to raise funding, trying to fulfill that funding when you've raised it and everything is public always. I I mean, I'm not saying this, by the way, it's just a, a store owner guy. Some people have suggested, you know, I don't like crowdfunding because so I I'm, I'm feel out of the value chain. No, the opposite. Any comics coming into the market is good for comics, but they have to come out. They have to succeed. And so we want these things to succeed. And it, it just seems like, if, you know, the amount of risk you're taking on is, is just huge. And that's why your story is interesting to me. Well, I appreciate it. It's like, I mean, I look at it this way. It's like monkey see, monkey do. And I'm glad that Richard's actually putting out his books and on a regular basis and actually having, uh, you know, coming out pretty regular. And I, like I said, I told somebody, I miss Richard. I, I never cared for your boy, Zach. I miss the old school Richard before the YouTube stuff, before the dark days. You know, it's like, you're the chosen one <laughs> kind of deal. But I, you know, because we used to, you know, back and forth a little bit, but before the, you know, got so big. And it was, it was fun back in the days. It was just like, you know, a guy just doing his thing. And in a way that's happening now, but it's, it's you know you know a little more com- a little more complex these days, you know. Well, like uh, everything, everything grows and evolves for sure. Exactly, and sometimes weeds grow around it, and, and maybe end up like the Evil Dead tree, and things get really nasty after that point. <laughs> but uh, if you get that reference, folks, there you go. Uh, but with with comics, with this idea of putting the product out and on a regular basis. And you, 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 one thing you harp on, and not in a bad way. I'm like this good thing because, like, people say, "Oh, harp on it." You're just you're, no. You have to. You got to remind people consistency. Keep yeah. it consistent. And it's me. Like I have, I have disappointed. Like I've disappointed myself in the consistency side of things as far as keeping product coming out on a regular basis. In the past years, been a little rough as far as uh, projects get falling through. Working, working on stuff that has not come out yet because of certain reasons uh one one reason or other but it happens but it's like so it looks on paper it's like oh been very inconsistent larry was like i'm trying (laughs) but it's one of those things consistency and like my 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 ultimate goal would be like four books a year at minimum and even try to do uh because i use i instead of using a uh service where you know like i 
you print multiple and, you know, I get a big, bigger discount. I, I, last book I did, use Kablam. You know, smaller print run, or he's more controllable. I don't, I'm not sitting on a thousand copies or 500 copies or wherever, you know, whatever amount of copies and maybe I'll sell them. And like, you know, people, I think also when people understand how inexpensive the printing process is, they're like, well, it costs you 50 cents to make that. Once you sell it for like 70 cents, you'll get a profit. It's like, but I have to ship it too. It's like, yeah, yeah but you get a profit. They, I think they don't understand the kind of the, like I have to, if I sold every copy at 70 cents a piece, I'd basically be going in at a loss. I'd, I wouldn't have like no money at all to produce the next book mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of, they don't, they don't think about these things. Like I want it cheaper. I want it now. It's like the, the pirate stuff. It's, you know, you can, you can fight that as much as you want. And like, I think that it, piracies, you know, don't do it unless, I mean, don't do it. And, and even unless you're like, Oh, well, I, I have to, it's like, I, I can't afford it. It's like, Hey, we don't really need it then. It's like, you know, whatever. But it's like one of those things. It's, it's, it's not like, ugh, it's icky, but <laughs> yeah, it's icky. But it, it's funny to see, you know, how comics have like it's like this hurry up and wait. It's like throw me, throw me all your money, and you don't see it for another year. And it's like it doesn't matter if it's big, small, whatever. A lot of these projects, it's like you wait a long time. And I think the, I try not to. I understand how, as a comic reader, as a, even a retailer like you, you've seen this. You've been around the block long enough. The comics buying audience, including you guys, because you and your you and your ilk are probably more victim. You're more victims of this than anybody. Are abu- like the, the abused wives. Like oh, he's not always like this. He's he's really sweet when he can be. He's like he's not always drunk. He's not. I, I don't always have a black eye. Yeah. It's this idea of promising a book. It's late, or it comes in and it's not nothing like to solicit, or the cover's different. They change the artist song. It's stuff along those lines where the comics reading buying community has been abused for so many years from image onward. Honestly, it started around the image times. Like when they Marvel and DC are trying to compete with image, trying to be the next hot thing. Like, Oh, images, you know, breaking. Okay. They're breaking the the charts. Well, we got to break Batman's back. We got to kill Superman. We got to rip out Wolverine's adamantium. You know, we got to do all these crazy things. We got to make Iron Man crazy and turn him into a teenager. We got to, we got to toss things up. And it was, it was nightmarish. And a lot of people look back fondly and sometimes it's not all bad, but it's like, it's like not all bad. It's like, you know, well, there was a man saving a baby from a battlefield. It's like, that isn't bad, but it's still a battlefield. It was nightmarish guns, gunfire all over the place and explosions and not the fun kind Michael Bay, but more like shrapnel going in your chest. You know, like you're sucking, got a sucking chest wound. It's like, yeah, this ain't so fun. (laughs) A rosy look at the nineties, especially, uh, you know, of late, it's become very like, Oh, I missed the nineties for a bloodbath. You guys have no idea. The the retailers that would come and go. I mean, there were so many, when I would go and visit family in New Jersey, being from North Carolina, take, you know, that's a long ride. That's an you know, eight-hour ride up to New Jersey. And back in the day, we had, like, two ways to go, 95 or 301. And 301 would cut through, like, small plate, like Maryland. I actually go right past, uh, right through, actually, military base. And uh, military base, the location where the military base is now was once where uh, John Wilkes Booth was tracked down and killed. Huh. Okay. And so it's like, oh, it's like they have a little sign and everything. It's like, this is, like, you know, not too far, like, a, like a, you know, 20 yards from here is where John Wilkes Booth was, was <laughs> tracked down and, and killed. Uh, and, and have like, you know, these little small towns, but you'd see these comic book stores. And this is back in the day when you 
when you actually have a lot of shops and and then you, know, you see comic stores all sell cards and what have you and then over the years you start seeing less and less comic stores and less and less of them each year and then told none of them <laughs> as you would go down these roads and where people that would set up like they love it's like like you've talked about it in the past it's a boutique they're setting up like at a loss because they love comics that much I try to make comics and not go into the loss. Like, I do it in my own time. I'm not going to spend a lot of money up front. It's like, but you can get this high quality print for, all it's going to cost you is 1200 bucks up front. And you have all these comics to, to sell. And I'm like, oh, no, thanks. I'll order a decent amount, <laughs> small print, print on demand run. And then I'm, I'm out. Just do another printing and do another printing after that and do another printing after that and not have to be like, oh my God, or make them myself. I go to any staples or any photo place with a photocopier, stand there. And I, the weirdest thing is when I'm making comics, it's like I'm being careful with comics I'm making, especially something that might be considered blasphemous. Even though this is, I'm like, I'm not doing it to like make people angry when you know, I want them to feel something. I was like, I'm just doing it because it's entertainment and it's like how dare you do that or like hey man that girl looks good can i get some of that i'm like it's just a drawing dude just chill out <laughs> it's, it's probably, I, I mean people I, I well first of all i think if you're if you're building something out of out of happiness and love for, for what you're doing then it's a healthier mindset to be because you're gonna you know when invariably you stumble you're still enjoying the journey and i think yeah. you know if, if you're doing it for you know, you've got to make profit. You've got to kind of make this or this or this happen. Then you're just setting yourself up. I think at that point for for some heartbreak in the in the process. But I, I you know, I, I, I the thing I've learned is that if I want to, if so, if I want to get some nasty DMs, if I want to get some people trolling, if I want to get downvotes on a video or anything else, I'll mention lateness because it always um, it's it's always taken as a shot of you know blank whoever whatever crowdfunding creator is late that that week. And I, I think the thing that people should understand around this is what you said. It's, you know, the people like Ethan, the people like Richard, they're going to be fine. They've got a, they've got a name they've built up. They have maybe in Richard's case, he has some foundation, but he has a big YouTube audience now. Ethan's got a big career. They can be late. I mean, and some people certainly may be frustrated by it and everything else, but it's not, it's, it's not going to hurt them. It's not a big deal. It's, it's the 50, 100, 200 people that are small where being late will be their last project. People will not give them a second chance. People will, will, will wait for Ethan's stuff a year in some cases, and, and they'll pay for a second or a third. They'll do this. But a small person, somebody kind of coming in, trying, you know, for whatever reason, decided to go to crowdfunding right out the gate, they didn't know about shipping. Like you said, they didn't know about kind of the costs of where things are going to be stored. They didn't know about all these things. They don't know about international shipping. I knew a, I knew a writer who did it, writer editor who did a book, wanted the best looking book possible, hardcover, oversized, like 300 pages, beautiful looking book. Did not consider international shipping. And this isn't uh, 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 Ten Apple, but somebody else. Like this, this has happened. This happened time and time again for creators, public uh, for uh, crowdfunding creators. Did not consider international customers, and then had to basically go into debt to get this or risk defaulting either way that the books are already it's it was a nightmare situation and you don't consider international shipping it's like i if i was gonna do a project like u.s customers only (laughs) it's just like sorry sorry world you're sol i I can't help you right now but i think a lot of it like you're saying the lateness like what ethan and richard can do 
and you know like what other people could do it's like you know it's a queer celebrity uh, uh that uh whatever um woman from desperate housewives oh bribing somebody fifteen thousand dollars oh 10 days in jail or everybody else be locked away for quite a while wow it's like the same thing with other like oh you drugs dui this that whatever it's like robert downey jr drugs drinking this that whatever getting caught with a wonder woman costume or something <laughs> uh, now you know multi-billionaire you know the wrapped a whole franchise and whole cinematic universe around him and all this kind of stuff and you know this the, the kind of you know in a way insulated him where yeah. other people don't have the insulation and it's also i think it's not just that but it's also the monkey see monkey do effect you have these people come in it's like okay in crowdfunding make a lot of money hey these two top guys they're you know like let's say like let's uh, like hey this guy is late and he's making all this money hey i could be late too they don't they mind yeah. and that right there it's this idea it's like so if more than one person has the idea it's like ah oh, don't worry about it if it looks okay they promised that book in march and if it's six months late then you can complain. So it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, and that's become the that's become the commonplace. As, like I said, it's the abused spouse syndrome of comic book buyers. It's this, yeah. they're not always bad. It's like, don't don't take that. You don't have to take that. Well, you don't have the, the power. You you're the customer. And the reality is, people won't take it. I mean, that, and that's just the thing. They'll, they'll they'll take it from the big guys. They're not going to take it from the new people. And uh, you know, remember, once upon a time, there was you know young Ethan or his young Richard, whatever, and they were breaking into this business. And there wasn't crowdfunding. They, like you said, with with Richard, he did his own comics. With Ethan, he whatever he did, and in, in the beginning of his career to get you know his work in somebody's hands. I'm sure he did a lot of things. In, in tight deadlines and all the rest and and had to or he wouldn't have made it to this place and so people coming in people you know like you coming in doing their own comics um there's there's consistency there's being on time there's learning the learning the ropes before you go up on the high wire i think is is kind of key and that's that's again that's that's why i think a lot of people hopefully are listening to this and hearing about your journey and what you've done, because this is the path they need to take um, if they're hoping to do a comic. Yeah, I really think they're at the end of the day, it's put you know the like I said, learning the ropes before you get up on the high wire, putting the horse before the cart. You don't want like this idea of doing the work, and whether that means you know writing the script out, having everything done, maybe having somebody look at it. You know, oh wow, you want to do a project and you want to pitch it to people. Maybe have some art done. Maybe try to you know solidify artists. If you can't get you know top big name artists, we more likely you can't unless you got deep pockets. And I've talked to people like they've had like you took out a loan to get this done. Oh my god! Yeah. It's like one of those things. Like I feel bad for them because like you, I, I don't know what to say. It's like one of those things. Like you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You ain't get no. You can get a refund for this. It's like you've already spent the money on this, and like oh now I feel bad for you. But seeing people you know, put the effort and put the effort into it. And like they believe in this project it makes me believe in them. And that's changed. I mean, over the, I mean, I've, I've tightened that down. It's like tighten, tighten the scope down on that view because it used to be much wider. And it's like, you know, like now it's like, I have to really look at these people. Like they're showing their work. They're showing, Hey, here's some pencil pages. Here's the ink pages. Oh, you, you back this project. Well, not only do you get, look of me working on it here's a video of me inking a page oh here's this that here's the cover here's this showing what you're doing not just like oh occasional update every now and then it's another thing it's like these 
me, like I would do, you know, work in progress shots. Oh, here's a, here's a page I'm working on. Here's a panel. Here's the cover. Here's a little gif I made as promotional material. It's like little off the wall things, not just here you go. And the book is done. This is how you get it. If, if I could easily get like a site, like a little, little uh, PayPal thing, it's like a little PayPal store where you just go directly to this little store, enter your address, go through PayPal, it gives me your address, I get your money, boom, there you go, without having to have like go through Wix or go through this, you know, create space, this, that, whatever. Like, I don't want to have to pay out of the pocket you know, for websites. Like, who goes to websites anymore, really, at the end of the day? It's like they go to Amazon, they yeah. might go to like, it's they like less. More people like less, uh, you know, uh, less of a hoop, less of a hassle to get things, and unfortunately, I make it harder for them <laughs> just to make it to like you know like to be able to control it more. And I think there's something I think there's something to be said for people actually putting the effort in and putting the work out there. And I really want I want more people to do like I said I want more people to do comics. I want more comics out there. I want more voices. But if you have just idea and nothing else and you want money up front for like vaporware, you know, something you can't even prove exists. I'm sorry. I can't help you. It's like, you don't believe in it. No, I don't. Like, it's, it's not even snake oil. At least a snake oil salesman gives me a liquid, like with possibly cocaine in it. You know, <laughs> at least then I get something. <laughs> you know, oh, I got a, I got, I got this like ailment. Here's some cocaine. Make you feel better. It's not making me feel too much better, but it's at least something. It's, and it, that's how it feels these days. It's like it's that uh, almost like the that dot com stuff. It's like where they're selling you stocks and stuff, and you know, or the, uh, the so selling stocks in like the dot com this this site and that site, and then it turns out to be nothing and the burble the bubble burst. I think we're on the, at the cusp of a crowdfunding bubble bursting, and then people, what do we do now? It's like, well, how about this? You work, take yeah. get a second job. If you don't got the money now, get a second job to pay for the artist. Well, and who wants to do that? It's like, well, there's a lot of people that did that yeah. beforehand. You know, a lot of these people, like, no names. Like, well, who, who, give me a name, Larry. And I'm like, I, I don't know off the top of my head, okay? I just what? know it existed. What? It's like one of those things, like, you just, it's a feeling, man. It's a gut feeling. <laughs> but it's one of those things. Like, you, if you want something bad enough, you'll work for it. And if you don't even believe enough in it, you can't get out of your own pocket to make it a reality. Why should others? But that's my little. I mean, I think that's well said. It's it's probably um it's a good place to end because I, I'll, I'll uh, I do these long interviews with people. I always assume it's going to be a short little interview, and then I get the the, the conversation is fascinating. And Larry, I'm, I'm uh, it's been awesome talking to you here about this topic. And I, I like I said, it's it's a blueprint. The reason why I wanted to have you on do this interview is really because uh, I see a lot of people coming in wanting to do comics, talking about doing comics, and in many cases they say. You know, I have a great idea for a comic, so I'm going to launch my Indiegogo next month, and and I'm going to try and get you know one of the big YouTubers to have me on their show to promote. It's like, man, you're doing it in exactly the wrong order, and I think that's why I think your story is is really fascinating for people to hear. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate your time, and I appreciate the interview, and and hopefully uh, others like like I said, just go out and do it, just get it done. It's like that. I, I, I my brother joked uh, one time I was worried about a project. This is like right after that. To, the meme, the Sheila Booth, just do it meme, and yeah. he and he, he goes like, you know what, you're right. It's like I was, I was like, I was on the fence about this idea, and he's just like, just do it. Like, sometimes it's good to be reminded about it, yeah. about that kind of stuff. It's like you know, you, creative types get a little in their own little world, and I, I try not to be too introverted. Uh, like I'm not, I'm not, 
I could, if I go to parties, I make the party about myself. I make, I make, I make basically make a show. Just so like, <laughs> I'm that, like overly extroverted. So I don't get invited to a party again. I'll talk about, you know, we're around, we're, we're spinning around a supermassive black hole. We're, we're moving at 24,000 miles a second. We're on a magnetic ball being <laughs> the Aurora Borealis. Everybody's fascinated about those, you know what those are. That's the sun trying to kill us, man. It's like, it's like I sound like Dennis Hopper with like at parties and stuff. It's like, like he's a genius, man. He, he's, he's a real genius and they don't get it, man. They're trying to stop him. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like almost like, like in, in a, in a, 60s or 70s i could have had my own little cult following it's like my own little squiggy froms running around <laughs> but that's another life that's another life uh, next time <laughs> next time well, for, for another life <laughs> uh, i did want to i want to thank you for all your time here today thank you for giving some of your wisdom your, your stuff um what what should people what can people buy how can they how can uh, they you can find me on Twitter at Larry King Undead. You also, if you want to buy something from me, whether it be Neon Trash, Storm Warning, 32 page full color comic, uh, suggested from mature readers, uh, Sexbot versus Soviet Cyborg during a storm. There you go. <laughs> Quick pitch. Uh, you can email me at Larry King, uh, Larry King Undead at gmail.com. Uh, that book is 12 bucks, inter- US international, sh- yeah, US shipping, 12 bucks, everything included, 12 bucks. The book, shipping, everything. International, that's a whole other story. We'll, we'll, Depends on where you are at, because <laughs> shipping costs do increase once you leave the continental U.S. Because uh, though we're coming more more globalized, shipping not so much. Uh, it's still a nightmare once you leave the U.S. borders. Whether you even go to Canada, it's uh, like if we're going to stab you multiple times, we're going to make you pay. We're going to make you bleed for getting this thing out of here. But uh, yeah, so if you're interested in buying something or like, hey, you want a commission, whether digital, traditional, otherwise. Uh, Shoot me a shoot me an email and uh, we'll talk it over. And uh, that's it. That's, that's all I got, man. Well, I appreciate that for people listening. Um, the origins, the the entire reason I did a channel is because of you, Larry. You're the you're the well, I should say you're one third. I think uh, uh, Glenn and Ian uh, definitely on Twitter pushed me into it too. So the three of you, you guys. Well, yeah, are- I think I, I think I, I'm <laughs> I'm about to be crass for a second, but I brought you into the live streaming. Uh, you, that kind of that world, I think. Yes, uh, was it? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I was about to say something much more crude and vulgar, but I've been trying to keep it clean. If I dropped any f bombs while this, I'm, I'm sorry. Being around truck drivers for majority of my life, uh, there were none. I think, and I'm not monetized anyway, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, all good. Go. All good. Well, thank you very much. And um, hey, for thank those you for listening. Um, yeah, like I said, you follow Larry. Uh, uh, information will be in the description of this video so please check it out and check out his stuff thanks a lot larry